the continuation of Yeshua's emissaries, his shelikim, his called out ones. You know, as we've been going on this journey with these called out individuals, we've met deacons, deaconesses, we've met apostles, we've met prophets, we've met ordinary people in the Messianic community. And to know this, that these people are literally living now in heaven. That when they died, their soul and spirit went in the presence of the Lord. And their bones now are resting upon this earth. One day they shall be raised from the dead and they shall go with the Lord with us who are alive. Hopefully will be alive when the Lord returns for his bride. But when we contemplate and think about this, the legacy that is written in the book of Acts was for them. They lived it out. But just think about the conversations we're going to have in heaven in the future. When Kepha, Peter, gives us even further details. Because I truly believe that the book of Acts is just a thimble amount of information. Because you know, God gives us just what we need to, to be focused on. Otherwise, what happens? We get so preoccupied with a lot of stuff that we don't accomplish what he wants us to be focused on. And so we see now here on, as Rav Shaul is going towards the end of his life and the end of his ministry, he's passing on by and he's meeting individuals on the way who he had invested his life into. That is his living legacy back then. But you and I are also recipients of his legacy. Can you imagine what would have happened if Rav Shaul never would have gave his life to the Lord? Would the Lord raise up someone else in this place? Yes. But we would not be able to, to know the character of this man. A man who truly at the very beginning believed that he was serving God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. But in some areas of his life, he is walking in deception because he did not know Torah to the point where Yeshua revealed all the truth of Torah. And so with this, we know that we're being blessed today and every generation prior to us and during the time of the writing of the book of Acts has been blessed and enriched. Can you imagine what it's gonna be like in heaven when we sit at the feet of Rav Shaul and he gives us further education, gives us all these details to what actually happened. And when he's sharing these things, he'll call upon these certain individuals that were living at that time that are just simply names on a page for us right now. They are as much alive as you and I are today. And they have much to share about the legacy that after Rav Shaul impacted their lives, the legacy that was built up to today, that's a living, breathing legacy being led by the provision of the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God. So let us now begin in Acts chapter 21, verse one. And after we had torn 
ourselves away from the Ephesian elders, and we, we set sail and made a straight run to Cus or Cus. The next day we went on to Rhodes and from there to Patara, and on finding a ship that was crossing over to Phoenicia, we embarked and set sail. After sighting Cyprus, we passed on the left and sailed to Syria and landed at Zeor. Some translations, it calls the city Tyre. Both are correct. Because it was the, where the ship was unloading its cargo. Having searched out the Talmudim, the disciples there, we remained for a week, guided by the Spirit. That's a sentence we need to underline in our Bibles. Who's guiding us today? Is it a friend, a family member, an acquaintance, a spiritual leader? Or do we have the intimacy of knowing that when we are being guided by the Spirit? Because you see, spiritual leaders can make mistakes. But the Spirit of the living God will always lead us into truth. And he's the one that makes manifest of Abba, Father God's provision for us. Let's continue. Guided by the Spirit, they told Shaul not to go up to Jerusalem. But when the week was over, we left and continued our journey. All of them with their wives and children accompanied us until we were outside the town now the next sentence is a demonstration that they saw being lived out when they first encountered Rav Shaul and those who were his companions are accompanying him. Kneeling on a bench and praying, we said goodbye to each other. Can you imagine those hugs, the tears that were streaming down their faces? Because this man and his companions were there the ones to help deliver them. They were the voices they heard. They were the demonstration of living epistles, living letters, so that these people could see modeled before them what a godly man or woman or child, how they were to live and conduct themselves. And they sense in their heart and spirit that Rav Shaul, have you ever had a grandparent or, or an uncle or an aunt that really spoke into your heart and really intercede and prayed for you and encouraged you and strengthened you and saw the time when maybe you had a very difficult day or week? They were there. Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, was a Spiritual father to many. You know, in scripture, it doesn't even talk about him having children. But he had spiritual sons and daughters. For him to be a member of the Sanhedrin, he had to be married. But scripture doesn't re record whether he was a widow or simply that his wife, once he came to know Messiah, abandoned in him. See, all those details 
are not here recorded in the scripture. But I believe in the future when we're in the presence of Rav Shaul and all these other godly men and women, they will share all those insights. And think of all the trials and tribulations that they were able to go through by the power and provision of Yeshua and the equipping of the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of living God. So going forward here, then we boarded the ship and they returned home. When the voyage from Zeor was over, we arrived at Ptolemus. There we, we greeted the brothers and stayed with them overnight. And so now as we go a little bit deeper in the scripture here, in some translations it's pronounced Ptolemy. And who was Ptolemy? He was one of the rulers of Egypt. And so the city today is no longer called Ptolemy. It's called Akko. It's in north, just north of Haifa in the land of Israel. So now going back to verse number eight. The following day we left there and came to Caesarea and stayed with them. Excuse me, I skipped over. The following day we left, came to Caesarea and where we went to the home of Philip the proclaimer of the good news, one of the seven and stayed with him. For he had four unmarried daughters. So Philip here is a proclaimer of the good news. He's not the emissary, because remember one of Yeshua's 11 was also named Philip. But he was one of the seven. They appointed Shemeshin, which are the deacons found in the book of Acts chapter 6-5 and also Acts 8-5. He settled in Caesarea in Acts chapter 8 verse 40. Although it was the Roman capital, think about that. What was the capital of Israel? But Jerusalem. But the oppressor set up his own capital in the land of Israel, Caesarea. Named after whom? But Caesar himself. So going forward here, Philip must have won only Jews to Yeshua at first, since Kepha, Peter, later brought the first Gentile to faith in Yeshua's Messiah in that very city. And where is that found? But in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. So now going forward in verse number 9. And he had four unmarried daughters with a gift of prophecy. While they were staying there, a prophet named Agav came down from Yehuda, Judah, to visit us. He took Shaul's belt and he tied up his own hands and feet and said, Here is what the Ruach HaKodesh says. How would you feel if you were in the assembly of other believers, and all of a sudden, a man walks up to you. He takes your belt off your, your cloak and then begins to tie his own hands. I'm sure that God Rav Shaul's full attention. 
And knowing this, he did not say, hey, what are you doing? Or I rebuke you. Rashul will sense in his spirit that this man was a prophet of God. See, God gives us things, does he not? Have you ever been in the presence of other people? Maybe you're on a bus or at a store or simply walking in a park. And then suddenly someone is walking towards you and you sense something about them. The spirit may be leading you to engage in conversation with that individual as dialogue. And at times you find out that person is either a believer or there is not a believer. I remember years ago when I used to do a lot of street witnessing. I'd be walking out. I'd have a few tracks in my pocket. They gave the uh, phone number of the congregation I was attending at that time. And on the back of it, it had a picture of myself and another brother. We were joined hands and we were bowed in prayer. The leader of that congregation took our picture one time. We didn't know that they were taking our picture. And he said, we're going to put that on the back of this track so that when you pass this out, people can recognize who you are, what you're about, and on it was the phone number of that congregation. But without asking permission of my parents, I put my, my parents' phone number on there. I was living at home at the time. Because I thought, well, if they call that phone number, they may get an answering machine, but most likely they will not be able to talk to someone directly. And so can you imagine this? My father is not a believer. My mom put her trust in the Lord, but she's not very deep in her spiritual growth. All of a sudden, they're getting phone calls asking for Frank. And there were sometimes when people would call up that were very depressed. There were sometimes when my mom received phone calls of women and men saying to my mom, I'm about to take my life. Can you help me stop? Give me a reason to live. And my mom as being a baby believer in Messiah. She would pray the best way that she could and say, well, I'll make sure Frank gets your message, but please call someone else. See, there are times when we presume to do things on our own, just out of a good conscience. But it wasn't long after that that my parents said, you know what? Once you own your own place and have your own phone number, then you can give it out. But please do not do that any longer. But that's part of the adventures that we have. As we grow and develop as believers, we can have a, a good desire to do good things, but are we being led and guided by the Spirit? Let's continue back here in the scripture. He took Shaul's belt and tied it up his own hands and feet and said, here's what the Ruach HaKodesh says. The man who owns this belt the Judeans in Jerusalem. 
No, in some of your translation, it says the Jews. I truly believe that that was not properly translated. Because if it would have been translated the Judeans, it's speaking of those who are the leaders of the Jewish people. The same leaders that had brought Yeshua and beat him and rushed him to trial and demanded his own death. And this was not the Judeans, the common everyday people who lived in Judea. So it's specifically speaking about those whom Rav Shaul was once a party to. Because remember before, he got the letters from the high priest to go outside the land of Israel to rest anyone who is a follower of the way. And so now things have turned. Who were those individuals that would cause Rav Shaul and others the most trouble? Would have them rested and beaten and brought up false accusations against him and others, his companions? We've seen this played out time and time again. But those who have a veil over their eyes. And when Rav Shaul heard this, he remembered what it said in Acts chapter 9, verse 16, where Yeshua spoke to Hananiah prior to him going and laying his hands upon Rav Shaul's eyes so that the scales would be removed from his eyes. Remember, Rav Shaul was struck by blindness after he saw the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory of revealing who Yeshua was. And so Rav Shaul knows this, that they're watching how he conducts himself. And he's showing now to these individuals that if he allows himself to be handed over to his brothers in the flesh, who yet have a veil over their eyes, he's willing to sacrifice his own life and reputation in that they can become saved. Remember Rav Shaul's words? I wish that I be accursed and that God will save my people. See, he was willing to pour out his life as a drink offering. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this, that we are to what? To offer our bodies as a holy and living sacrifice. This is the acceptable worship that Messiah requires of us. Let's continue in the scripture here. The Judeans in Jerusalem will tie him up just like this and hand him over to whom? The Gentiles. Likewise, what happened to Yeshua? Yeshua was handed over to the Gentiles so he could be put to death. And Rav Shaul received the word from Hananiah when he came and he laid those hands upon him. And Yeshua spoke to Hananiah and said this, this man is going to have to suffer much 
for the kingdom. But I have to show him that. And so this is part of the fulfillment from Yeshua's own words that he would have to suffer much for the kingdom. And Rav Shaul came to the point in his life that he was willing to lay down his life every day for the Lord. Are we willing to do the same? Being guided and led by the Spirit of the living God? Verse number 12. When he heard this, both we and the people there begged him not to go up to Jerusalem. But Shaul answered, What are you doing crying and trying to weaken my resolve? I am prepared not only to be tied up, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Yeshua. And he would not be convinced. We said, may the Lord's will be done. And we kept quiet. There are tasks that the Lord asks us to do. To sacrifice not only for our own personal benefit, but for the legacy and the testimony that we're leaving behind. We have brothers and sisters in Messiah and those who don't even know the Lord are watching us and to see if the hope that we proclaim, the joy of the Lord, our salvation, is true. Because right now in this, our world, just like it was in that day, it was very, very chaotic. We're currently living in the midst of a pandemic that can come even much worse. There's turmoil. There's infighting. There's division going on. But we as the believers in the body of Messiah should be walking in unity, men and women guided by the Spirit, so that we can live out our lives holy and pure before the Lord, so that others can see that and desire the Lord too. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We will finish part four right now. Praise be unto God.